So welcome to Making Sense of Humans at Work, where Clive Highland and I will be discussing, debating and deliberating the relevance of applying neuroscientific insights to the workplace. This is our first episode. Why is neuroscience relevant to the workplace? And we're really excited to start getting these insights out there to all the leaders, managers and HR professionals who want to be at the forefront of understanding human nature for the benefit of their organisations and the people that work for them. Today, Clive and I will be discussing some broad thought pieces which apply across this field with more episodes to come. And we're hoping to have lots of interesting guest speakers for you as well. So before we start, I'd better introduce ourselves. I'm Victoria Hall. I'm the director of Make Sense Limited. I'm a former RAF officer. I'm a practicing employment lawyer. HR professional, speaker, trainer, coach, facilitator, and author of Making Sense of Me. So that's just to name a few. With me today is Clive Highland, who is the founder of Make Sense Limited. Clive started his career in HR before becoming a CEO. He is now a leadership coach and strategist and thought leader in the application of neuroscientific insights to human performance. He is also the author of The NeuroEdge and The Quantum Way. He stumbled across the importance of neuroscience in the field of human performance when researching stress and performance, and that changed his whole understanding of how people tick. Clive, do you want to tell us a bit more about that? I think I should pick you up on the comment about stumbling, first of all. I, there's so many people that would say, I've made a career out of stumbling, mm -hmm. so here we go. Uh, yeah, yeah, it was really, you know, I'd been in the corporate world for some time in sort of fairly heavy duty leadership roles. And, uh, you know, my, I'd been really informed by psychology and sociology. So that was my career, you know, at that stage. Um, but this organization did some work with some of my guys and really it had quite a profound impact on them. Um, so when I left the corporate world, I joined this organization to look into this research around stress and performance. Um, and as you say, it did introduce me to neuroscience, even though we didn't use those, uh, those words at the time. We were more specifically talking about neurocardiology, which is the role of the heart in the intelligence system. Um, so that was an unusual place to start. But, you know, while starting with the heart, obviously in my passion and interest and extended to human intelligence as a well. whole. Um, so yeah, it was a key moment for me and helped me to uncover radical uh, insights into human nature. That's informed your career ever since, is that right? Yeah, absolutely. And you know, and it, was, it wasn't classic sort of talking to training people or whatever. You know, I was given access to people who were neurological consultants. Um, so it was a fantastic opportunity in that from that point of view and really kicked me off into uh, what the last 17 years of, of keeping in touch with and studying and neuroscience because I think it's uh, it's profoundly important and obviously we will try to do that justice um, in these discussions. So we need to get 17 years worth of information out through <laughs> these podcasts, do we Clive? Yes, yeah, something like that, yeah. I'll, don't worry, I'll do the speed. <laughs> <laughs> I think everyone's going to be here a long time. <laughs> no, we promise we won't keep these episodes too long, but there may be many of them if we've got 17 years to get Yeah, through. yeah, absolutely. But um, <laughs> it, it is really exciting to be launching this podcast because, yeah. you know, we do have a lot of information we want to share and this podcast is the best way we think we can do that to as wide an audience as possible 
Um, you know, we're going to be talking about subjects large and small and how neuroscience and the insights from that really underpin the importance. It is really exciting, though, to be launching this podcast. We're going to be discussing lots of subjects, you know, big and small, um, and hopefully with guest speakers as well in relation to neuroscience and humans. We've got so much information that we want to share. So best, I think, we get going with this first episode. And today, I think really it's just useful to talk about some of the broad concepts that underpin the importance of this subject to the workplace so that the leaders, managers and HR professionals out there can really relate to why this is so important to them as leaders, managers and HR professionals, but very importantly also to them as individuals. And I think one of the key learning points for me about applying neuroscientific insights to human performance is that starting with the self concept. And I think we'll talk about that a little bit more as we go on. I very much remember, Clive, when you first introduced me to insights from neuroscience and I applied them to myself and it was very much life-changing. It really helped me to understand my behaviours, what made me tick and how I showed up, you know, how I showed up in the world, really. And ever since, you know, I've developed my knowledge in this area, I have really been able to transform the way I am in the world. And I fundamentally believe that by looking at myself first and understanding the neuroscience behind my behaviours, I have been able to manage my behaviours in a very different way. And that's been absolutely fundamental to, you know, to my life going forward. Um, And so I'm just as passionate about sharing these insights as you are for the benefit of everyone who hopefully listens to this. But one thing I always liked to know when I was starting to get this to know this subject is what is the difference between psychology and neuroscience? Essentially the difference is two centuries, the difference between the 20th century and the 21st. Um, You know we didn't have the technology, the imaging technology um, that we now have in the last century. So we relied on psychology in order to build our theory of mind. You know, it's it's all about we observe people's behavior and based on the work of people like Freud and Jung, etc., we had concepts and around what was going on inside our brains. And, you know, they were hugely valuable in terms of that century. But, you know, they took us to a level where to build beyond that became more speculative. So... When neuroscience came along, and then essentially in the 90s, as far as human, this level of human understanding was concerned, it was through imaging technology, and it meant for the first time we could look at brains in action. See, up until that point, we could only look at dead brains, you know, which is pretty, pretty limited. But, you know, when we're now in a space where we can understand what's actually going on in the moment in brains, we can get more confident and understanding what's happening in the brain and how that relates to behavior. So essentially, you know, we were moving into a world which is, you could call it like neuropsychology, because our understanding in neuroscience is based on the hard sense of what is going on in the brain and the rest of the human intelligence system. But we still need psychology in order to help us interpret what's going on above the, above the surface, the stuff that we can see, i.e. behavior. So it's almost like an above the surface and a below the surface combination. And neuroscience is very interested in what's going on in the brain and the wider human intelligence system. So it's the difference between sticking a plaster on something 
and understanding what caused the cut in the first place. Yeah, I mean, you know, a, a lot of um, psychological um, approaches have been very helpful in the first level of understanding of human behavior. But it's like, okay, we've got something to add to it now. So it's not an instead of, it's an, it's an as well as. Um, but that does give us, you know, the more we can build a, a reliable basis of understanding the human brain, you know, the more reliable the solutions we can develop as we go forward. And I think most people would acknowledge that, you know, prior solutions that we had in, in organizations and in personal life have always been a little bit hit, hit and miss. You know, it's, it's cognitive-based theory, uh, therapy, for instance, you know, at best, that would claim a 50% success rate. Now, okay, you know, that's great for the 50% who benefit from it, but what about the rest? And now we're moving into a position where we can build a more solid basis, you know, by retaining the information that worked, if you like, from the last century, but adding to it all this new stuff that's coming through. When you say new stuff, do you, you know, how new is this? Do you think these concepts are generally known now or are we still at the start of this journey? No, I think well, we're very much at the start of the neuroscience journey, but the speed is just incredible. You know, um, neuroscience has been around for over a century, right? But, but like in the last century, it was more, as I said, about slicing up dead brains and working with animals. Yeah. Now we're very much in the human space. And in the last 20 or 30 years, these are the insights that have emerged. Now, sometimes they're totally radical, you know, um, and yeah. sort of, oh, you know, some things we just didn't understand. You know, I could say, for instance, that we process 95% of our uh, information in the brain at the subconscious level. That means all the considerations about what we do consciously just is limited to 5%. Now, we couldn't be accurate like that in the past. But also there's a level of neuroscience that helps us understand what we sort of intuitively knew beforehand but we couldn't understand it in depth. So I often, you know, when I'm explaining neuroscience concepts to people and what it means, I often get the feedback, oh, okay, so that's how it works. I thought that was the case, but I wasn't sure exactly how. So it's, it's very rarely, you know, major pushback. It's like, ah, now yeah. it's clicking into, into yeah. place. I think that's definitely been my experience. Yeah. When I started to understand it, things just started to make sense. Yeah. Um, hence the, the name of the company, yeah, I suppose. Exactly. Uh, but, it, you know, it couldn't be more accurate, really. Uh, you know, there can't be a better way to understand our own behaviours than to understand ourselves. Yeah. And that has become more real, from my perspective, mm. through the development of neuroscientific insights than psychological concepts. Um, I think the challenge... The challenges I've come across are that it does, as you said, sometimes involve a radical rethink of how we approach yeah. certain certain subjects and the effort that is then needed to, 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 you know, to bring those insights, I suppose, into some sort of practical reality can be hard. And, I'm, you know, I, I'm glad yeah. that, you know, in later episodes we'll go and look at particular topics such as communication and um relationships and teamwork in more detail and how these insights apply to those particular subjects because I think that helps bring it into real life for people but it is an important place to start here with these broader concepts I think yeah you know well obviously we're not going to get any radical changes of insight if people are not open-minded so you know that's the key thing is to try and bring a completely open mind to the table and you'll be amazed yeah. what you learn because if you hold on to previous understandings that's always yeah. going to limit your ability to learn. 
you know, by all means, we're not saying agree with everything we say, but we are saying, you know, try and take this on board, listen to it and piece it together and work out what of your existing knowledge still yeah. works for you and what doesn't, because this may offer some very good insights into why certain things don't work. And let's face it, as human beings, we're hardly perfect models, are we? No, We've all got something you're to work I'm not on. perfect, Clive. <laughs> uh, absolutely. But, you know, I'll break it to you gently. No, you're absolutely right. I suppose the hardest and best lessons I had to learn when looking at all of this was the um, awareness acceptance action steps you need to go through. And like you've just said, without the awareness, you can't really do anything else, can you? You know, you have to, first of all, become aware of what's going on, how we really work, yeah. what is true for us. And the problem with that is there's some things we like and there's some things we don't like. <laughs> And we have to be aware of all of them. And I think that is, again, you know, in coaching and in leadership yeah. development and all those other areas that we work with. And that can be a challenge because actually sometimes you have to look at things and think, oh, my God, that is actually what mm. I'm doing, how I'm behaving. Um, but I don't particularly like it. But I have to accept that's true. You, you see, I think the key to this, um, you know, obviously in my study and learning, I've had to tackle a lot of technical terms. OK, and. Part of my role, if you like, is to try and then translate those technical terms into relatable language, you know, that people can use. And I really think that, you know, getting to grips at the early stages with understanding the difference between instincts, emotions and thoughts is a great starting place. Right now, I can be quite precise about how long it takes, you know, to trigger, for instance, an emotion in the brain compared with triggering a thought. And people may sort of think, oh, okay, the difference between, you know, 80 milliseconds and 250 milliseconds, you know, that, that means nothing. It means everything. Because understanding the sequence of our response in the brain is vital. And when we struggle with our own personal battles or, you know, battles in organizations, it's understanding, for instance, how powerful emotions are and that they strike us much quicker than thoughts. Now, thoughts come along after the event. Self-awareness comes along at the very end of the reaction chain. So it basically means that even if we think we are self-aware, and most people think they're reasonably self-aware, I am telling you, you can't be. Because there's such a lot going on at a subconscious level. And what we are trying to do here is sort of open up some of those windows so you can have a, a nod to what is going on down there. You know, our instincts and emotions are very, very powerful. Our thoughts come along later and try to make sense of those. And as we go through life negotiating between thoughts and emotions, and when we get a handle on that, we've got much better opportunities of improving our responses. And that's not me saying this is how she improved. This is how people want to improve themselves. You know? Yeah, I think my partner would tell you my thoughts come along much, much later than my emotions and instincts. <laughs> <laughs> Yes, the next day, is it? Yeah. Which in some cases actually is true. And actually, you know, it's funny, just that one small insight completely changed yes. my understanding of my own behavior. Um, you know, I can now identify when I'm emotionally reacting to a situation and when I'm rationally um, re reacting to a situation. Yeah. Um, you know, yeah. and that's been very, very useful. And I love the concept of, you know, intelligent emotions, yeah. as you call them, as opposed to emotional intelligence, because... It's just showing that actually our emotions are interpreting what's going on for us and displaying a behavior. And that actually it's up to us to slow down and let our thoughts yes. try and regulate that to the best of our ability. And of course, in high pressure situations like an argument or something very bad happening, 
that's hard to do. Um, but we know it's going on, at least we can try and do something about it. Yeah, I, you know, I'm a great fan of emotions, even though I, you know, I can be labelled as um, not particularly expressive emotionally. Um, but just because I don't express it doesn't mean that I don't feel it. But the fan comment is about the fact that it played such a vital role in our evolution, because just at an instinctive level, which is like a reptilian level, all our responses are pre-programmed. So our ability to respond as a species was very limited. And the emotions were the first steps in helping us to be more flexible in our response, you know, a range of responses. Now, that flexibility was one of the key steps in helping us to become the human species that we are. But emotions demand reaction. You know, when we sense or feel an emotion, it means we're out of balance. Now, we can be out of balance negatively or positively. But whatever happens, at some point, we need to come back and get back into balance. And that's what emotions do. They actually flag within the internal intelligence system to the brain. Hey, we're out of balance. You've got to do something about this. Okay. And just little understandings like that means it can help us to not fear our emotions, you know, to embrace them and to start understanding them because all they're trying to do is look after us. Yeah. And I think definitely um, another episode will do specifically on that because it is so fundamental. I totally agree with you. Is that your signal to say, uh, don't stay too much about it now? No, you can carry on if you like. No, no, think, uh, <laughs> that's yeah. fine. No. We, we haven't got three days. You know me, I'll, I'm ready to dive in at any time, so that's fine. Uh, no, I mean, one of the one of the emotions I think it would be useful to come back and visit is the emotion yeah, yeah. of shame especially in the workplace context, because it's not often talked Agreed. about. And I think it is so yes. important to explaining behaviours in the workplace. So let's let's make yes. a note of that and come back to that. Yeah, five, if that's right. I think that'd be a really good future yeah. episode. Um, but one thing I did want to touch on today is your application of quantum physics to all of this. That's a bit mind-blowing. Do you want to just give us a very... Well, I thought neuroscience is a bit easier, yeah, yeah. you know. And <laughs> just, I just want a very brief summary, Clive, please. <laughs> yeah, why did I go there? It's because it's an understanding of human energy, okay? Um, so when I got into quite a lot of depth around neuroscience, you know, and again, I emphasize I'm not a neuroscientist, right? I take their information and I translate it, if you like, into the everyday world, you know, and a lot of that is, is organizational. But obviously, I'm passionate about it. And, you know, I think, like to think I've got a reasonable handle on it now. Um, so coming back then to this question of... Quantum physics. No, it's all about energy. Because you understand that you cannot get to a depth of understanding of the human intelligence system simply by looking at the neural circuitry, by which I mean the wiring of the brain. Okay. There's a lot else going on. And it's going on in the energetic domain energetically the body is is constantly communicating with itself at different levels and particularly we communicate with other people energetically so whilst we look out and see space it's not that there's nothing there there's everything there in terms of energy there's all these rhythms that are going on around us but we just can't perceive them right so in recognizing that this thing of energy was a really important aspect to understand. I dipped into quantum physics. You know, a large part of that would pass me by. I don't have the maths background for that. But it's more the concepts of understanding exactly, particularly things like energetic connection, how they work and how that that enables people to perform yeah. the energetic flow and all that stuff. So it's, you know, it's the non-physical um, 
tangible element of neuroscience moving more into then what is this energy stuff and exactly how does it work? Yeah, yeah. I think that's really interesting because before neuroscience, most people would accept that if someone positive walks into a room, other people are positively influenced by that and vice versa. If someone negative walks into a room, people are negatively impacted by that generally. So what would the explanation for that have been then as compared to now then? When's the then and when's the now? Well, the pre-neuroscience understanding. Well, again, we just would have used sort of some sort of group psychology type concept, you know, to understand interactive responses and, and psychological transfer that goes on between people. And, you know, some of that is still relevant, right, because there's still this interpretive element that's going on, you know, at, at the mind level. But there's a level before that, which is energetically we directly impact other people. There are energetic transactions where we meet, you know, on certain frequencies, you know, where we can experience resonance or dissonance, you know, we can attract each other or push each other away. And like an irrelatable experience, maybe something like music, you know, there's no interpretation of mind involved there, but we know music touches us at a very deep level. You know, we see that all the time. There's no words involved, but it's not just a psychological phenomenon it is a physical phenomenon that's happening at an energy level you know it calms the heart or excites the heart and bear in mind where i started neurocardiology that's again you know part of my interest in this energetic connection is real it's not something that's there for the hippies you know we talk about vibes and that was probably an early concept around it but this is a real phenomenon that happens to us every second of the day and I, I love seeing people's reaction to that when, mm. when it's explained, actually, because it's hard to grasp sometimes that, that, that um, invisible connection between us, which is more than thoughts. Of course it is. Yeah. yeah. The science titles are scary, aren't they? You know, things like neuroscience, quantum physics, you know, there's a lot of people sort of think, oh, God. But, you know, what I want to try and do is get beyond that and, and say, look, this is actually very accessible. Yeah, and it explains so much. And I think that's the passion behind this podcast, really, isn't it? Yeah. Is that yeah. if people want to really make a difference to their own lives and to the lives of those around them, then they need to understand yeah. this stuff. And I know, you know, I know we're talking in a workplace context, but of course, this stuff applies to life generally as well, doesn't it? And that you know, we will have some episodes yes, around more personal circumstances. So, you know, I hope listeners will keep listening to our, our podcast and, and, and start using these insights to, to change the way they look at people and themselves. But, you know, I, this is just a short introduction today to this podcast series. Is there any other insights yeah. you'd like to leave listeners with today? Um, I think probably the big one, um, a nice challenge headline is we don't shape our own brains. They're shaped by other people around us. And that's quite an important um, insight because when we try to understand ourselves, we can beat ourselves up if we discover things about ourselves that we don't like. Um, And therefore, we can go into some sort of denial or not want to deal with it and hold on to biases and all that sort of stuff. But when you learn that the brain just responds from the moment it is created to what's going on around it, Yes, all our brains have potential, of course, but they respond to those, particularly those early influences that start to shape the brain, right? Therefore, 
if later in life we've discovered we've gotten into a place which isn't perfect, you know, mm-hmm. like most of us, I've definitely done we that. We shouldn't beat ourselves up about it, right? We should be okay. So it's more a case of understanding how was my brain shaped, and you know who are the influences, and how did that influence get a handle on my brain, and how do I now unlock that influence? So it can be a very, um, if you like, analytical process, which takes guilt out of it and stops us beating ourselves up. That's all the pro- the process of sort of, sometimes it feels like we're almost too afraid to have a really close look at ourselves because we discover dark corners that we prefer not to look into. But the reality is, if there are dark corners, they've been put there by somebody else. Now we've got the choice, once we know the, co- the corners mm-hmm. exist, do we have the courage to look at them? to shine a torch into those corners and it's only by shining the torch that you can start turning things around whether you're a leader or a person that's you know got challenges in life the same principles apply you know there shouldn't be dark corners we should have enough wisdom and courage to be able to have a look at exactly what's going on absolutely just keeps us in the same place doesn't it and yeah if that's a great place great stay there but for most people it isn't right absolutely with denial being the enemy of course yeah no, and, and, you know, when we talk about change management, it, that's because something needs to change. Yeah, exactly. Um, and then we wonder why it doesn't work. Yep. And, you know, usually I think because we're taking the wrong approach to the change and we're not putting that yep. focus on individual responsibility as well as collective responsibility. Yes. So, yeah, lots to learn and lots to do. No, thank you, Clive. Thank you for your time. Thank you for those listening today. Please watch out for the next episodes. We're going to be covering lots of subjects and applying this to narrower subjects within the workplace, such as communication, relationships, self-awareness, feedback, teamwork, and, and much more over the coming weeks and months. So that just leaves me to sign off for today. If anyone has any subjects that they'd like covered, please let us know at www.trymakingsense.com or email info at trymakingsense.com and we will do our best to accommodate those for you. Thank you for listening today. Catch you next time. Thank you.